0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Oh, my word. That is one of my, the best test victories I have ever seen. Australia get over the line by just two wickets in an instant classic. This is Cricket Unfiltered. We're wrapping up the fifth day from Edgbaston. Paul Dennett, what a victory. I mean, how good?
0: Marvellous stuff, Meners. G'day, everyone. Um, it's five in the morning here. Uh, so apologies for the lack of coherency. Oh, if, they, if it's coherence or coherency, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, all Test match, I thought Australia was going to lose until suddenly, when Cummins and Lyon got together, there suddenly there's this, some sort of change in complexion came over the game, and um, I, I hoped and dared to believe for the first time, and it was um, it was scintillating stuff.
1: And I don't know, I had this feeling of, you know, sort of reliving, you know, especially while it was getting close, reliving all those close matches that Australia have basically lost in my lifetime watching cricket. You know, the 92-93 game against the West Indies, the 94 game against South Africa, the famous 5 Ashes test, and then, you know, in 2019 against Ben Stokes and all that was swirling around and then for for Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon to deliver in the in the most intense pressure with that horrible Edgbaston crowd baying for blood it was just so satisfying to see Cummins steer that ball off Robinson down to third man and into the boundary with some assistance from some English fielding and we get a win that seems to erase all those nightmarish hellish memories
0: yeah, I agree with all of that, except don't call the, the edge basting crowd horrible. They're, they're the best crowd in world cricket, and you've got to get over that. But, um, no. <laughs> no. You do. You do. They're, they're fantastic. I was there in 2019. It is amazing. It's glorious. I know you've been there as well. Um, anyway, um, it does seem as though... Well, we really don't have much to complain about as Australian cricket fans, because Australia wins a lot more than they lose. But it does seem as though we are on the wrong side of lots of epic... Um, epic defeats. There's the 2013 match at at Trent Bridge, um, the 2001 series against India, the other matches in 2005 that Australia lost that were, that were close. So I just kind of um, feel really, yeah, really satisfied that uh, uh, finally Australia has, um, has won a really close one. In some ways it's a pity we weren't nine down to make it even closer.
1: Don't say that. Can you imagine poor Josh Hazelwood sitting in the dressing room, uh, thinking he might have to go out there with a few needed, um, yeah just just I mean we should sum up the day but you know I watched the the team talking on the media after play and Usman Khawaja said it's you know the fave you know his favorite test match he's ever played in he was the player of the match for Australia for his century and half century in the second innings and Cummins was cock a hoop and you know you think about him this is the first test match back since he's lost his mother um to you know he had we discussed his tactics on the field, but that was a captain's knock if I've ever seen it. 44 not out of 73 balls with four fours and two sixes. That was a a, a Superman performance. That was man of steel stuff.
0: Certainly was. And, um, you know, after Australia had inched along all day as well. um, And, you know, we've both been very critical of Cummins' on-field tactics during this match. And, you know, I stand by those criticisms, but it was, it was instrumental that it was finally him that actually started playing some aggressive shots that he smacked um, those boundaries and a couple of sixes off Joe Root, And that's what really seemed to uh, propel Australia closer towards the target. And it was uh, Cummins playing with sort of atypical aggression. And I, I hope he takes a leap out of his own book and does that more often because it's the right way to play. I think Australia won this game despite um, having pr- probably the, the, the more mediocre tactics throughout Uh, but yeah now's possibly not the time for that but um congratulations to him uh joyful really really pleased for him as i've said um he's my favorite australian captain of um of my lifetime he's the the most gracious the most easy to like i might disagree with some of his tactics on field but um uh, you know i'm really pleased that he's the australian captain
1: he, he also said that it, it feels a a bit more than a 1-0 victory. And, and I do think that winning a close game like this, to, to the start of a series, um, is a huge moment. I mean, it goes without saying that I think the record says that if you win the first Ashes Test, you usually go on and win the series or retain the Ashes. But, you know, so much was riding on this, and, and I just feel – that I mean, this performance is is going to be talked about for, for years and years to come,
0: for sure. And in the since that two thousand and one, the last time Australia won in England, there's been precious few times Australia's actually been ahead. Although Australia's been highly competitive in all but the two thousand and thirteen series, uh, with the exception of the after the first test that Australia won in two thousand and five. I don't think Australia was in front at all in 09 or '13 or '15. Uh, we were in front at periods in 2019, the series that we ultimately drew. But it's been pretty rare to be in the lead in England. Um, although I would counsel that there always is this sort of uh, overreaction of like feeling like, oh well, that's it. Um, that, the side that won the last test is is going to prove to be too strong now. And um, there's been plenty of instances in England where. Uh, there could be massive changes and um, shifts in um, who's, who's leading throughout the series.
1: All right, let's go through the last day. It it was rain delayed. So they didn't get on until midway through the second session effectively. And so Australia resumed at three for 107 and they went, they got to four for 121 until Scott Boland was caught behind off Stuart Broad for 20. I think if you Asked me if Scott Bol, if you'd asked me, would I like Scott? Would I take Scott Bol and scorey twenty when he walked out to bat? I would have taken it. So I thought that was a handy little innings from him.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when he walked out to bat, I would have taken him getting a a duck as long as he survives till stumps. Uh, to to get twenty is a massive bonus. Yeah, he played
1: really well. And then Travis Head joined Usman Khawaja. And this is where I was getting really nervous because I thought that if Travis Head could score a quick 50 or something, maybe we could motor this target down pretty quickly. But England bowled really well. I mean, in that first sort of hour and a half, they they didn't give many loose balls and the, their ground fielding was exceptional for an English side, especially. And Usman Khawaja and Head got a bit stuck Um and I did hear it was Makawaja talk afterwards that he did get a bit stuck, but he was also really conscious of taking the game deep because England didn't have in Ali and they had less bowlers that he wanted to take the game into the last session and into the last hour. Um, but, yeah, then Moen Ali came on and he got they, he got Travis Head for 16. Um, yeah, what did you think of that sort of passage of play? Where Australia got a bit stuck and then Travis Head tried to take on Ali but ended up getting caught at first slip.
0: Yeah, it looked like we were getting marooned and weren't going to win. Um, far bet for me to criticise a bloke who scored 206 runs for the match uh, and uh, and ultimately was man of the match and Australia won the match. Uh, I do think that there were times in both innings where Kawaja could have been uh, more aggressive and, um, Uh, You know, if you're listening, Aussie, don't don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we love you,
1: buddy. Um, (laughs) So then, uh, T Australia was five for 183 with Kawaja 56 and Green 22 not out. And there was some footage of a bit of byplay between uh, Ollie Robinson and Usman Kawaja. And I would like to point out that the winning runs were hit off Ollie Robinson. So Karma came back to bite him but um apparently you could hear in the stump mic ollie robinson said to kawaja something about are you going to try and hit that half volley and kawaja said well mate i can tell why you're not a batsman because that's the rough or something and then they had a few words as they were walking towards the drinks break so robinson's a very unlikable character and if you incensing usman kawaja you're certainly doing something wrong so they go to T5 for 183, come out needing 98 to win. What were you thinking at the tea break, Paul? How confident were you from there?
0: Oh, obviously still gave us a chance, but I, I just kept on thinking that um, if they were going to play in that same way, that it, it, eventually a ball would come along with their name on it. And I was also conscious of the the long Australian tail, but on the flip side, the ball was never doing an enormous amount. And obviously the fact that, um, Ali he, even though he got the wicket of head he was soon taken out of the attack and it was clear that his finger was not really allowing him to do too much more um and uh, Stokes as well and I, I, we can talk about what he did but um, he was limited a little bit too so there was I, I certainly still gave Australia a chance but I think on balance I still felt that England were going to win at that point
1: yeah, I agree. And there was that passage of play after T where um Cameron Green was out for twenty-eight. He 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 was a bit tentative and he was out to Ollie the Clown Robinson, sort of inciting edge one inciting edge one back onto his stumps. Um so he was out for twenty-eight. I still think a nice little innings for him. They put on forty-nine Kawaja and Green. And when you consider his, you know, fairly inexperienced player in a tense situation, thought that was a nice contribution. And that brought Um, Alex Carey to the crease crease. Um, but then Kawaja was out bowled by Stokes the captain got the big wicket again just sort of pushing at one and a little bit tentative and that made the score seven for 209 at that point I was getting very nervous because Cummins went out to join Carey but then Alex Carey was out to Joe Root and this is where you saw the brilliance of Stokes' captaincy. The second new ball was due, but he kept Joe Root on for one more over and tempted Alex Carey to try and score some quick runs. And he took the bait and was caught and bowled, an absolute cracking catch after Root had dropped a a tough one off Carey earlier. And uh, Carey was gone for 20. Australia was eight for 227. And I thought at that stage Australia was gone and Stokes had had pulled all the right moves. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was a very impressive spell of bowling from Stokes, given that his knee was clearly, really paining him. Um, the ball that got Kawaja, uh, I had the sound down, and after it, after it when they're doing a retrospective, they were showing each ball that he bowled that over and the speeds. And I, I have a feeling that they were going to show that the final ball was notably slower than the other five, and that that's what induced Kawaja to drag it on. Uh, but just as they were about to put the final ball, they had to cut to the the, the next ball, and, and they never did show up. But I think that's what was the case, and it was a yeah a impressive piece of bowling. And his reaction was pretty awesome as he he was almost too uh, much in pain and um, exhausted to celebrate. But it did feel at that moment as that was the as though that was the decisive moment. And again, exactly what you said, um, felt as though it was a very impressive piece of captaincy keeping. Root on, Root took that catch, almost dropped it. Kerry was just starting to look dangerous as well. Um, but then I suppose he probably then did make a mistake, make a mistake in keeping Root on for another over. Um, and that's that start over that I talked about that I think Cummins took 14 off it and suddenly it just felt that the impossible had become possible again.
1: Yeah, I think that was just after the drinks break and Australia needed about, I think, say, 50-odd to win. And <laughs> and then Cummins um, hit that big over off Root it got it into the 30s. And then just some excellent batting from Lyon and Cummins. Cummins seized on the bad balls, hit some nice balls straight down the ground, you know, a couple of big sixes in his innings. Nathan Lyon with about, as the total was dwindling down, just lazily just picked up Stuart Broad and hit him over mid on for four. And at that stage I was getting very confident, but then, you know, when the, the, the target got under 10. It it did start to sort of tense up that sort of last seven runs uh, seemed to take forever. And Paul, I was just, how were you? I was like pacing around my living room. I actually had a a ball in my hand, like Alan Border, circa 1993 that I was sort of spinning in one hand and ready to like chuck at something. If we lost. I actually started to feel quite confident because uh, I, I, I don't think that the English
0: tactics towards at the very end of that partnership were very smart that, you know, they did the same thing as the Aussies have done throughout to to, to the, to the lower order, just uh, spread the field and bouncer after bouncer after bouncer. I just think it's a very limited um, tactic. Yeah. Of of course, from time to time it's going to work, but I I think they would have been better off, um, you know, hitting the top of off stub with, with more aggressive fields and forcing, forcing Cummins and Lyon to play authentic shots. And if they could beat them, you know, in a partnership of 50-odd with authentic shots against uh, the new ball, then, well, good luck to them. Uh, it was an interesting point how um, Ponting in commentary was deploring the fact that they weren't taking the new ball, but then when they did, he kind of realised that with the lacquer on the Dukes' ball, sometimes the first 10 or 15 overs are fairly benign, and that's what it said. That the new ball just seemed to be um, really coming onto the bat nicely and there wasn't much movement, and from that point on, it it just felt with their tactics that we were going to win.
1: I'm glad you were confident because I was uh, very, very nervous. And there were three needed. Ollie Robinson came in and Pat Cummins just steered it down between third man and point. And the fielder at third, I think it was Harry Brook, ran across and tried to stop it, but it careered off him and into the boundary. And, Hugh Pat Cummins exuberant celebration, and as is the fashion of this match, he, he threw his bat Usman Khawaja style, and I saw Ollie Robinson come up to him to try and like shake his hand, and Cummins was having none of that. He just sh- shook his hand and moved on very quickly, and just just such brilliant theatre. The English crowd left very very quickly and just left the aussie touring groups there to sing to the australian team and one of the the greatest victories in australian test history one of the greatest victories in ash's history and it is a game that will be talked about for years to come and so many heroes paul when you look at this match i mean Kawaji you've got the two um Two innings, But then you look at Cummins and Lyon, the, the heroes with the bat at the end, also immense with the ball in both innings. They both took four wickets in the second innings. Um, Lyon took four wickets in the first innings to, to add to that. He's approaching 500 test wickets. But I mean, just an extraordinary performance. And when you think that Labashane and Smith hardly contributed, th- this is just a, a stellar victory. Certainly is, um,
0: and uh, congratulations to them uh, congratulations too to the way that England played the game. I think that it, um, they they really did make a lot of the running. Joe Root was magnificent and um, yeah, I, I do hope that it did um, capture some appeal to um, you know English fans who aren't so much sports fans who aren't into cricket or who have fallen out of love with cricket if they were able to be exposed to it in some way. Realise that it's um you know a, a great game and you know I'm I'm excited that potentially we could get some sort of equivalent to what happened in 2005 where it really does become the talk of the country um now with the, you know there's no soccer on at the moment um and uh well sorry, the Premier League's not on at the moment in any case and so there's a real opportunity for the Ashes to to uh, become front and centre and sometimes a tough loss can um endear you to the to the country more so maybe the England fans will be sort of even more um. More eager to see what happens in the in the coming weeks, and I don't think that England. I, I don't agree that this is anything more than just a one one. You know, obviously it's just one victory, but I don't think there's anything more to it than that. I think that England will come back very strong um, at Lords. They will be better for the run in the sense that they'll have a spinner who won't have the um, the finger problem, and um, yeah, I still think they're every chance of winning. But at the moment, uh, yeah, we're going great. I'm struggling to put words together.
1: <laughs> we'll wrap this up pretty quickly. Then I actually hope it's more sort of circa 1989 or maybe 1993, where this just cues a tour of Australian domination, and it's as I said before, the series four or five nil. I hope we look back at this match and think that's the closest England got. That's what I hope, um, and I don't care what the what the English public thinks of the series. Um, <laughs> all right, well. I think we should wrap this up, but I think this victory will be received very, I mean, this will be massive in Australia. We're getting on early recording this at at 5 20 AM after no sleep, but I think this is going to be a victory that reverberates around the country and will just be, um, I think this will light up Australia. I don't care what it does to England, but I think this will be something that's talked about in Australia or it'll just light up the country.
0: Yeah. and The ratings to TV have been superb. Like, um, uh, across all platforms, um, I, I noticed the other night there's over a million people watching the cricket. Um, so yeah, having it on Channel Nine and Gem, um, uh, albeit the criticisms of their app, uh, it, it's it's fantastic. And for those who stayed up tr- throughout the night, this was a, a great reward and a, a wonderful spectacle in the end.
1: All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. That's our wrap of Day Five. Australia go one nil up in the Ashes with a famous two wicket victory. Pat Cummins, forty-four not out; Nathan Lyon, sixteen not out, put on fifty-five famous runs to etch their names in history. This will be something that is never forgotten. I won't. It's something that I'll hold dear to me for a long time, listeners. Um, Paul and I'll catch up, I reckon, in the next few days and further reflect on what's been a brilliant start to the Ashes. Thanks, Paul. We did it. We stayed up all night.
0: Never in doubt. Go the Aussies. This is a Piccolo podcast production.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.